Before we get going, here's a little tease. Around this time of year, some of you in the Northeast begin to see flowers popping up all around you in the woods and fields. But no one planted them. So Eliza wants to know... Why do flowers grow wild? Keep listening after the episode to learn more. But Why is supported by Progressive, home of the Name Your Price tool. You say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote. Visit Progressive.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids from Vermont Public Radio. I'm Jane Lindholm. On this show, we take questions from kids just like you, and we find answers. Sometimes you send us questions that seem really simple at first, but when we start peeling them apart, we find so many different layers. Here's an example. My name is Jacob, and I'm four years old, and I live in Quebec, Canada. My question is, why do pigs do this? <gasps> Bye-bye, Yugi. Why do pigs make that noise? There are several ways we can tackle that question. One would be to try to figure out what a pig means when it says <laughs> Another would be to examine why we translate that pig sound <laughs> as oink-oink when we write or talk about it. Jacob actually made the sound, as you heard, but often when we talk about what pigs say, we just say oink oink. You probably learned that when you were really, really young. Like, as soon as we start to talk, our parents love to ask us what animals say, don't they? Dogs say rough, cats say meow, cows say moo. But I bet your parents didn't teach you what a camel says, at least not if you live in the United States, or a fox. So why do we give words to the sounds of certain animals and not others? And why do we have different words for the same animal noise depending on what language we're speaking? Today we're going to take Jacob's question and examine it from both of those angles. And on that question of what we say animals say, we actually asked for your help. Lots of you sent us recordings of what animals say in all kinds of languages other than English. And we're going to hear what you told us throughout today's episode. Let's start with cats. In English, we often say that a cat says meow. Here's what you told us cats say in the other languages you speak. Meow. Meow, meow. Yeah. That was Jana, Mason, and Theodore. How about dogs? Woof. Hop, hop, hop. Hub hub bo bo cook bo 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 wo 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 hub hub bo bo yo go wong 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 wow wow bo bo wow those dog sounds came from these kids my name is May and I am five years old my name is Daniel my name is Shira my name is Mira Hannah my name is Rayva. My name is Ria. Sophia. And my name is Darren. Rayhan. Hi, my name is Brian. Asher. Everett. I'm Marcus. And I'm Trey. Kalia. Adi. And my name is Eglali, and I'm nine years old. 
and check out all the languages they were speaking. Dutch, Farsi, Hebrew, Hindi, Indonesian, Marathi, Punjabi, Turkish, Urdu, Vietnamese, Mandarin, Spanish, and Telugu. Okay, let's do another. What about frog? In English, we might say a frog says croak or ribbit. But here are some other options. In English, frogs say ribbit, ribbit. But in Filipino, they say kakak, kakak. It says koa. In French, I speak German and English. In German, a frog goes quack. We live in Virginia and go to Mongolian school on Saturdays. In Mongolian, frogs say wag wag. I speak Mandarin and English. In my country, the frog says quack quack quack. And in Dutch, frog says quack. Those frog noises came from. Hello, my name is Ellie. Hello, my name is Alan. Sleep. My name is Emma. My name is Iris. This is my five-year-old sister, Tannen. Say hi, Tannen. Hi. All right, we got to do one more. One more animal. My name is Govan. In Gujarati, a goat says be be. And in English, we would say a goat says me. Why do we have all those different ways of explaining animal noises? It actually says more about our languages and cultures than about the animals. After all, they don't speak our languages. We wanted to know a little bit more, so we reached out to someone who actually studies this kind of thing. My name is Erica Okrent, and I'm a linguist, and I write about various subjects in language in a way that I hope more people can understand. Erica, what is a linguist? A linguist studies language by looking at what people actually do, not what people should be doing or how they should be talking or what's correct or incorrect. They look at people in the world using language and try to determine what they do and what that says about how humans work and how our minds work. So you're not like a Spanish teacher or uh, a Hindu teacher. You're not going to teach me a language. And you're not a speech therapist who's helping me make sure I can say my words correctly. You're somebody who studies language and how we use it and why we use it the way we do, kind of. Yeah, sort of in the way that a geologist looks at rock formations and says, you know, here's what they look like, and here's what that means about history, and here's what that means about chemistry, just by looking at the thing in the world. So linguists are looking at language in the world and how people use it. I asked Erica why we give different words to animal sounds in the first place. After all, a dog doesn't really go roof, roof, or guau, guau. It goes woof, roof, roof, or And a pig doesn't go oink, oink. It makes a sound like... (laughs) So why don't we just make those sounds? Why do we instead give them words like rough, rough or oink, oink? We are giving a name for the sound, which is, it's a difficult concept because we understand that we have words for things out there in the world. So you see something and you, it has a word, that's a house or that's a picture or that's a bag, whatever it is, we realize that the word itself doesn't look like the thing we're talking about. But when it comes to sounds, when we name a sound, we have the expectation that 
it should sound like the sound. Uh, and in some ways it does that we have a word beep and that kind of sounds like a beep, um, but it's not exactly the same. It's not e or whatever an actual beep <laughs> sounds like because we've given it a name. And when we do that, when we give a sound a name, we are restricted to what our language can do and what it's allowed to do. And there's a million sounds that the human voice can make, but languages only use a subset of those and different languages use different subsets of those. So English has these sounds and French has those sounds and different languages take advantage of different human sounds. And that's what we have to use when we give a name to a sound. So they're going to be different in different languages. So like in English, you might say a bird says tweet, tweet. And in Spanish, you might say it says pio, pio. And you can hear even in the way I'm using my voice and raising it up high, I'm kind of making the sound of a bird, but it's different from those two languages. In a case like that, is it mostly just that's what people kind of chose and, and copied each other? Or is that about what our languages tell us we can do as well? Well, we can all, when you're saying it in a more colorful manner and you can say, uh, tweet, tweet, or cheep, cheep, and you can sound like the bird. But wh I can also say, oh, that bird was tweeting all morning, in which case it doesn't sound at all like the, the actual sound. It's now just the label for that thing that birds do. Speaking of birds, let's hear how you talk about birds in your languages. Hi, my name is Janan. In Mongolian, birds say jeev, jeev. My name is Luna. I speak Portuguese. A bird says Pew, pew. We're Chloe, AJ, and Kalia. And in Spanish, the bird says pew, pew. My name is Ria. In Punjabi, a crow says caw, caw. It's kind of interesting that crows get a specific noise when for lots of other birds, we lump their sounds together and just say they're tweeting. I asked Erica, if we weren't writing things down, would we need to have words for these sounds? Like, if we were just speaking, I could say the pig went, but I don't know how to write. <laughs> uh, yeah, we would still have those words. It, uh, languages that aren't written have names for sounds, too. Because when I'm in a conversation with you, it, it takes a lot to sort of stop and go, <laughs> like, that's not in the normal stream of, of speech, and it takes a little extra effort. And we want to be able to speak in the language we're using and, and stay in that zone while we're talking. So we, it's good to have words that let us do that from within the limitations of the language. Do you think there is a, a named sound for every animal? Even animals that don't really make sounds? No, if, if the animal doesn't really have a cultural importance, then we don't really need a, a sound for the sound that it makes. So in, um, in Turkish, they don't have a pig sound um, because in the culture, um, the pig is not in, it's not in farms and these sort of settings that children's books will be about or children's songs will be about um, because it's just not an element of the culture. And we don't have sounds for, uh, you know, what sound does a 
a sloth make or I don't know. I don't know if they even make sounds, um, but it's not something that's in the culture as uh, going down to the farm and hear what all the animals say or going into the woods and hearing what the animals say. It has to have some place uh, in the culture um, to, to be important enough to have a word to talk about that sound. So, in fact, when we talk about animal noises and we know that word, that we know oink means a pig, and if you speak English, you probably know oink is in reference to a pig, that in some ways says a lot more about our culture than anything else. It's what we think is important to name that gets a name for the sound that it makes. Yes, and it's something that's either in the stories that we tell or in the things that we talk about with each other, it's it's got to have a reason um, to be given a word. And that's true, not just for animal sounds, but for everything. We have the words we have because they're a shorthand way of referring to the thing we want to talk about. And different languages have different words that that don't always match, that don't, don't always directly translate from one to the other um, because It's not something you need this abbreviated way of referring to. And that's what a word is. While we had Erica, we asked for her favorite animal noise in another language. Well, I like the word in the the thing that a horse does in Danish is is, is vrinks. I can't even say it. It's V-R-I-N-S-K. Vrinks. And that's very different from a neigh or what, what I would think a horse would say. But I can... I can see, okay, a horse, yeah, that can, that can match my idea of what an actual horse says. And it, it just shows that there's a lot of flexibility in how we can represent what an animal does. And it can use these strange combinations of sounds that English doesn't use. Ha, huh, cool. Speaking of horses, here are a few other names for nay. Hi, my name is Emily. In Dutch, horses are called Baude, and I say hee <laughs> hee. Hi, my name is Eliza. This is what a horse says in Mandarin Chinese. Coming up, we'll tackle the other way of answering that original question. We'll learn a little bit more about what animals might be saying when they make their various noises. Stay with us. But first, a message for the adults who are listening. Support for our program comes from Oak Meadow, providing secular, student-centered homeschooling curriculum and a teacher-supported distance learning school for K-12. Oak Meadow has encouraged kids to follow their curiosity and uncover the answers to But Why for 45 years. To learn more, visit oakmeadow.com. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids. I'm Jane Lindholm. We're learning about the noises that animals make today. We just learned a little bit about why we use different words and sounds to describe what animals say depending on what language we humans are speaking. Let's hear a few more examples of what you've told us about how you express animal sounds in the languages you speak. Now, in English, when we think about hens, female chickens, we often say cluck, cluck. But in other languages, hens say... Bok, bok. The duck, the duck. Go, go, go. Go, 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 go. That was Ayuna speaking German, Hannah speaking Indonesian, Michaela speaking Mandarin, and Alex speaking Portuguese. Here's another one. Hello, my name is Hector, and I speak Mandarin and English. Sheep. Meh, young. Meh. 
Okay, so how we describe animal noises in different languages is very cool. But remember that original question we're trying to answer today? Why did pigs do this? <laughs> we said we'd also try to get to the heart of what a pig might actually mean when it makes that noise. And we can talk about other animal communication, too. Did you know there's actually a field of science that looks at the vocalizations of animals and tries to work out their meanings? We found someone to explain that to us. So I'm uh, Elodie Briefer. I'm an associate professor in animal behavior at the University of Copenhagen. So I basically study how animals behave, what they do, and mainly how they communicate. So what do they tell each other? The field that Elodie studies is called bioacoustics. Bioacoustics is the study of sounds made by nature, let's say. <laughs> um, so we we study how animals make sounds, how they produce sounds, how, which information we can find in their sounds, how they uh, react to the sounds. Do they actually differentiate between different sounds? So let's get to our original question. Two of you had a question about pigs, a lot like Jacob's. Hi, my name is Dominic. I'm eight years old and I live in Portland, Oregon. And my question is, why do pigs snort? My name is Henry. I am six years old from Katona, New York. Why do pigs snort? Elodie has been working with pigs. She and her team are studying the noises pigs make in certain situations and whether those sounds are positive or negative. So pigs, uh, basically, yeah, they can have these uh, grunts, the <laughs> uh, which is a contact, more of a contact call. So it's to keep in touch with the others. And that will usually be when they are, they, it can be in a positive state or negative emotion. It could be in positive emotion. So here that would be, for example, happy or excited, or it could be a negative emotion, for example, isolated um, when they are not happy. And then when they get stressed because they are, for example, isolated, like a piglet being isolated from its mother or cannot find its mother anymore. Or, or is trying to fight, piglets fight a lot to, uh, for accessing the, the mother. So if they cannot and they fight, then they might reach this, this very high-pitched sounds. Um, so the high-pitched sounds are, are more, uh, more indication of negative states. So they're not really happy. Is that true for adult pigs too? Do they make that high-pitched sound if they're unhappy? Yeah, 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 they do the same sound as the, the piglets and the high-pitched ones would be mostly uh, usually when they're not happy. To figure this all out, Elodie and her fellow researchers recorded the noises pigs were making while they also watched what those pigs were doing so they could see whether the pigs seemed to be happy, like maybe they were eating or running around normally, or whether they were distressed or in a negative situation, like if they had been isolated from the other pigs or if they felt like they were in danger. Then the human team took all of that information and put it together on a computer to try to make sense of it. So the main thing we found is that when pigs are in a positive context, so let's say happy, uh, their um, grunts and squeals and screams even are shorter than when they are in a negative uh, emotion. Farmers who have maybe just a few pigs and who take care of their pigs really well probably know, generally speaking, when their pigs are making sounds that seem happy or unhappy. But from their research, Elodie and her team created a computer program, an algorithm, that can tell with almost total accuracy whether a sound is from a happy pig or an unhappy pig. 
Now they can use that research to create an app, a program that might work on a phone or a computer that could tell a farmer whether their pigs are doing well or not doing well. So if the farmer isn't in the barn, they could still get an alert if their pigs are unhappy. And that's important because we want pigs, even if eventually they're going to become food for humans, to have a good life while they're on the farm. But this app won't exactly translate pig-speak into human-speak. I asked Elodie if she thought we ever could develop an app where maybe a human could talk into the app in whatever human language we're speaking, and then the app could translate that into pig sounds that the pig could understand, so we could actually speak to the pigs. Yeah, I mean, I I have colleagues also working on uh, synthesizing sounds that sound actually really good, like really natural, even complex sounds. So you can think about it in the future. But um, I mean, of course, you'll have to speak pigs as they do. That You won't be able to translate everything you want to tell the pigs, but you could speak to them in emotions, at least, or in something that they can relate to. Right, because if I said, what do you think the meaning of life is? (laughs) The pig might be like, I don't even know what you mean. But if I said, food, here, that might be able to be translated into pig talk. Yeah, we might actually find out that pigs have a knowledge about (laughs) what's the meaning of life (laughs) with their own words. (laughs) Wouldn't it be cool if pigs could tell us the meaning of life? In the meantime, do you want to know how we describe what pigs say in various languages? Of course, in English, as we've been saying all throughout this episode, we usually say that pigs say oink, oink. Here are some other choices. Hi, my name is Emma, and I'm nine years old. In German, pig goes grunts, grunts, grunts. My name is Shira, and in Russian, a pig says Hi, my name is Holly, and I'm going to make a Swedish pig noise. Nuff, nuff. My name is Xavier, and I can speak Mandarin and English. Pig, xiaojiu, gong, gong. Elodie Briefer has looked at how other animals communicate, too. Many animals produce different sounds depending on whether they're in positive or negative situations, like we heard about with pigs. Elodie says these studies have been done for horses, goats, sheep and cows, and chickens. She has also studied the communication of a type of bird called a skylark. It's one of the rare birds that sing in flight. It's very difficult. They have to sing while they fly. And they have extremely long song. They can sing up to 40 minutes. And their sound is also very complex. So these songbirds that are singing for up to 40 minutes while they fly have such distinct patterns that Elodie says they have their own dialects depending on where they live. Do you know what a dialect is? Within one language, let's say English, we're all speaking the same language, but we might not only have different accents the way we pronounce words, but even different words, different vocabulary that we use to communicate. So even though you speak English and I speak English, we might not speak exactly the same English if we've grown up in different places or cultures. For example, if you want a sweet fizzy drink, what would you call that? I would probably call it a soda, but you might call it pop, Coke, even if it's not Coca-Cola, You might call it a soft drink or a fizzy drink or maybe something else. Different regions and sometimes different cultures have different dialects within one large language. And Elodie says skylarks are the same way. They have different sounds and different patterns depending on what fields they call home. 
She used computer programming to help her figure this out. And then she actually played back various songs to the birds to make sure they really were speaking or tweeting different dialects. Once I find that there is dialect, I go and ask them, is it really your dialect? Uh, is it, do you use it? So I, um, we do playback experiments. We go with the speaker and then we play the sounds to the animals. So I've done many things, playing sounds from a different, uh, made of a different place. I've also tried to mix up the different units in the sentence to see if they still recognize it and actually they don't. So once you mix these tiny units up randomly, it actually they don't recognize it as the proper sentence, as the the dialect anymore. Well, that's kind of like humans. Like if I said, it's a beautiful day outside, the sun is shining, you would know what I was saying. But if I said, shining sun, day beautiful is, right? Exactly. That would be confusing. So it's kind of like that. Yeah, but maybe people somewhere else, actually, that's how they speak and they would understand (laughs) you. (laughs) Yeah. We gave Elodie some of your questions about other animal noises. Hello, my name is Abigail. I'm from Somerville, Massachusetts, and I'm 10 years old. And my question is, why do roosters cockadoodle do in the morning? In French, we would say cocorico. <laughs> I know I'm an expert in, in chicken, but they usually think it's mostly the, the male rooster who called to when the sun rises and uh, advertise himself. <laughs> to the ladies. <laughs> uh, chicken have all kinds of interesting calls. Also, they do. Um, they call to advertise when there is food. So they would say uh, there is food here and they have a kind of food call, which is quite uh, rare in, in uh, animals. And some uh, researchers, uh, early researchers in the Bacoustic have actually found out that uh, roosters would make this sound to attract the, the hens, uh, even when there is no food. Oh, they'll say there's food here, yeah. but then there's no food. So then the hens come running. Oh, that's cheating. That's mean. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what Elodie says roosters say in French? Not cockadoodle do. Here's Lisandre with a reminder. I'm six, and this is how you do the rooster sound. Cockadoodle. And here are some other rooster sounds. My name is Milan. In Farsi, a rooster says googly googoo. My name is Sabina, and in Filipina, they say tiktilao. My name is Vera, and in French, the rooster says kokohiko. Hello, my name is Jayan. In Gujarat, India, roosters say kukuriku. My name is Naomi. In Hebrew, rooster makes the sound of kukuriku. My name is Luna. I speak Portuguese. A rooster says kakarakaka. My name is Dawn. Thank you, just My Abba and I are going to make a booster. Cuckoo. My name is Kuzey. In Turkish, chicken says good, 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 and rooster says uh, 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 uh. I'm Zhao Yan, four years old. I'm from China. Here, rooster says ah, ah, ah. I'm Eliana. A rooster in Spanish says ki, 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 ki. Hi, my name is Mestli, and I'm 11 years old. And my name is Iglali, and I'm 9 years old. We are from Salinas, California, and we speak Spanish and English. And roosters say kikiriki. Wow, I love all of those rooster calls. What about ducks? Let's do ducks. Quack, quack, con, con, con. Quack, quack. Those came from Esme and Saima in French and Dahlia in Hebrew. 
three-year-old Everett in Illinois actually has a question about ducks and volume. Why do ducks make loud noises? <laughs> Usually animals make very loud noise when they want to push away other animals. So maybe they're being attacked by another animal and they want to push them away or they want to defend food or it might be when they try to attract others when they want to males are trying to attract the females or vice versa or they try to communicate. Um, we have another question from Honor who is six and Honor wants to know do cows make a different amount of moos to say a different word? <laughs> uh, I would say not exactly. But the duration of their moves, they might make longer moves depending on their emotions. So it's kind of like if I were, if I used the word, hey, I could say that in really different ways to mean different things. Like if I was worried or scared or you were coming too close to me or I was angry, I might say, hey. But if I just saw you and I hadn't seen you in a long time, I might say, hey. Or if you were doing something I didn't like, I might say, hey. And so we as humans, it's all the same word, but you can kind of interpret what I'm feeling and thinking based on the tone I use, even though I'm just saying the same word. Yeah, that's exactly the same. So they, many farm animals I've been studying, so they have maybe one kind of call, like the, the moo or the, um, the goat uh, blitz or the sheep blitz. It's just one call, but then they will produce it differently depending on whether they are more in a positive emotions, like might be happy, or if they're in a negative emotions, maybe they're frustrated or something like that. Moo is a funny word. So let's hear if cows say equally funny things in other languages. We heard there from Alex, Ellie, Jana, Vera, Mason, and Yen. We're just about done for this episode, but I can't leave without sharing just a couple more animal noises you sent us. My name is Lucia Vichdash. The animal I'm doing is a mouse, and it says peep. Hi, my name is Ben, and, and I speak Russian, and mouse says peep peep. I'm not even sure what I would say a mouse says in English. What do you think might say in English? Maybe squeak squeak? And we have one last animal before we go. I met it. The sound of a bee sounds like wong wong in Mandarin Chinese. Ah, that's what all the buzz is about. Thanks to Elodie Briefer at the University of Copenhagen. She's the one that told us all about what animals might actually be meaning when they make their sounds. And thanks to Erica Okrent, the linguist we heard from at the beginning of the episode, who helped us understand why we use different words to describe the same animal sounds. She's written a book about language. It's called Highly Irregular, Why Tough, Through, and Doe Don't Rhyme, and Other Oddities of the English Language. And thank you so much to all of you multilingual, multilanguage-speaking kids who sent us your words for animal noises. I am so impressed with all of you. Now, if you're one of the kids who only speaks English, now is a great time to start learning another language. Even if English is the only language spoken in your home, and even if you don't have language classes available at your school, you can ask an adult to help if you'd like to learn another language. And together, the two of you can learn about language learning apps online, books and audio tapes or videos at your local library. Or maybe you could identify a friend or neighbor who can teach you at least a few words in their other language. <laughs> <laughs> 
And as always, if you have a question about anything silly or serious, get an adult to help you record yourself asking it. It's easy to do on a smartphone voice recording app. Then you can have your adult email the file to questions at butwhykids.org. We love hearing what's on your mind, even if we can't answer all the really fabulous questions we get from you. But Why is produced by Melody Baudet and me, Jane Lindholm, at Vermont Public Radio, and our show is distributed by PRX. Our theme music is by Luke Reynolds. We'll be back in two weeks with an all-new episode. Until then, stay curious. Remember our question from before the podcast started about how wildflowers grow? This time of year, some flowers bloom in the woods and only live for a short, short time. For our series Northeast Nature, I went for a walk in the woods with naturalist Jack Markoski to learn more about spring flowers. What I love the most about spring ephemerals is that they have such this narrow window of time that they are photosynthesizing and, and appearing to our eyes, right? And so they're coming up from the ground after the ground thaws, so really short period, all the way to when the leaves come out in the canopy. And that can change in the year and really make it a magical time to find ephemerals. Ephemerals are a type of flower that's short-lived. That's what ephemeral means. Maybe you can find some on a walk in the woods where you live. If you want to get But Why for your classroom or home study, sign up for But Why Adventures Northeast Nature. In this monthly series, we learn more about what's happening outside, and we have curriculum and activity guides for all students. It's free, and you can find out more at butwhykids.org nature. From P-